Hey, this is Kat Stancic, the lead boss, and I'm here on the Revenue Accelerator with my guest, Rebecca Gebhardt. And what I want to tell you about her is that she is the sales leadership coach who guides top performing salespeople from leaderboard to leadership. Oh, love some alliteration, like we were talking about before. She's the best-selling author of Beyond the Board, How to Achieve Your Vision Board Goals in a Fulfilling and Sustainable Way. Huh, two concepts that I don't think enough people actually focus on. So, Rebecca, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So you work in corporations with the leadership team, right? And so a lot of um, things that I know that happen, especially when it comes to sales, is churn. Right. So it doesn't matter what industry, whether you're corporate or, you know, the sales parking lot of a car, you know, dealership churn is a thing that a lot of people deal with. So what's your take on why the sales industry has this high level of churn and what do you do to fix it? Oh my gosh. If I, I'll give you my thoughts on it, but if anyone actually knew the real cause, they would be a billionaire because there's a lot, a lot of theories about it. Um, so one of the, one of the big ones that I do not address with people, but they need to come up with this on their own is the amount of pay. So mm-hmm. if a salesperson can't be successful and their pay is attached to a real high commission versus, you know, a base salary that has something to do with it in sales, just the nature of the beast. You have to get paid for what you're producing. Sales is about producing yeah, by far. Two areas, though, that I really do talk. So if you look at the data and uh, around this great resignation, the great um, reassessment, I actually like to call it, people really thinking about what am I doing and why am I here and why am I selling these products or why am I leading this team, is that um, people leave leaders. They don't leave companies. So we know that. Um, And another high reason for turnover is burnout. And you can't get into somebody's brain and try to help them relax on the weekend or outside of work, but burnout and the relationship, how effective a sales leader is, Mm. has an immediate impact on the sales team. So um, there's a stat, it's like 57% of salespeople are achieving quota because they're not properly mentored by their sales leader. And I, I say this, it sounds like I'm harping on sales leaders and I'm not like, they're not superheroes, right? I think um, I think the reason that VPs of sales, their turnover is 19 months, like there's no executive that fails like a VP of sales is people expect them to be the superhero that just comes in and saves the day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you need to have proper systems in place. You need to have a great culture. But the, the piece, the, the things within leadership that will help people stay and keep them engaged and help make them successful, those things matter. And so then if you break that down even more like I have, and I won't get into all the, the nerdy details and all of the data, I could talk about that for days. But if you actually break that stuff down on the specific leadership skills and specific mm-hmm. leadership tasks that really affect turnover and the affect revenue, you can actually make immediate changes with it. And so that's what I help my clients do, but it, you know, a lot of things rise and fall off leadership, not just the C-suite leadership, but the frontline leaders and the middle, middle managers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of communication issues that have that are impacted or that impact a business, which you wouldn't think of necessarily when it comes to selling, but then isn't selling all communication. 
Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I did a survey um, back in March of 2021. I'm trying to think it was March or April. I think I released the results in April because I was really frustrated with the lack of data behind emerging sales leaders mm -hmm. and like, what's it going to take to take a successful salesperson to be a sales leader? And in that, I we did talk a lot about communication and, you know, were you trained and all of that stuff. And one of the biggest misconceptions for new leaders was that their leader, whether it be the CEO, the sales director, who maybe the VP of sales, depending on how people's titles and organizations right. are set up, uh, it can be very I, misleading, I right? VP of sales. The receptionist was a VP. So yeah. Correct. <laughs> correct. Yeah. It's, it's really across the board. Um, but that they were surprised that their leader wasn't as available to help them in their new role because there's so many, everything in sales seems like pants on fire and urgent. And um, I have theories behind this as well, but the higher you go in sales leadership, the more problems you deal with. The flip side of that is if the younger leaders, the people closer to the sales force, if they were actually trained properly, they could handle better, they could handle the problems faster and quicker and there wouldn't be a bottleneck yeah. And things wouldn't have to always work their way up to the top. So then leaders would have more time. Um, but but time management, you want to have communication every week, but time management was the number one struggle across the board. People were like, when I was new in sales leadership, I, I was always urgent. I wanted, I was just working and, you know, motion does not equal meaning, but it was like, I'm going to prove myself. And then the more experienced, they'd work on the important stuff. Yeah. And of course, the leaders who work on the important things like trust and communication and feedback and accountability, those have immediate impact on turnover and revenue. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at this point, we're talking about the cultural experience, right? So the environment in which someone is in has a big drive in terms of how they feel about themselves. And so what I love what you're talking about too, is this creative versus reactive modality. So like in a reactive state, this, you know, fire, fire, pants on fire kind of situation, right? Um, not that salespeople are liars, some are, but you know, <laughs> I know that you work with very integrity uh, driven people um, that, Right. Well, it's important too, because that has a lot to do with the culture as well in terms of how the values of the company attract a certain type of person, especially this day and age with, you know, millennials and whatever acronym you want to come out with and letter in front of a lineal that you want to put um, that what it what is that drive? What is that impact do you see with the changing workforce and the leadership style that people need to evolve into versus the modality of kind of like a, the silent generation, the boomers of come to work, grind and go back home when I say you're done? There's a lot of questions you actually asked in that one yes. question. <laughs> I was like, how do I want to answer this? Here's what I will say. So Gallup did an article, um, and I don't know when it was released, uh, recently, talk, a couple of months ago, talking about the fact that um, leadership is the number one employee benefit that no one talks about. Mm. And a bad boss negates all of the benefits that companies offer. So Amen. you talk about culture. I have to like so, take a second and be like, wow, that explains so much of like my corporate professional past. <laughs> it really does. But leaders want to be good. You know what I mean? Like, like the stats are like 18% of people trust leaders. 82% of leaders aren't untrustworthy. It's just, there's, there's some missteps, you know, but, but within the leadership, 
and how that affects culture. It, it's like, if you have a great boss, people will stay with you. Mm. And if companies knew how to then promote um, and advertise their great leadership at every level in the organization, that's what they're attracting right now. So that's what, if you look at um, even, I don't, I'm not a, um, a Gen Z expert, but I've done a ton of research on millennials and what they want from work. And 85% of millennials will leave their job if they're not getting developed. They, they expect, mm. um, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. 85% of millennials expect personal development and 71% will leave. But 90% of high performers will, will leave if they don't see a path to progression and advancement and they're yes. not getting trained. That comes from their direct leaders. So you, we need to be aware of what actually motivates people but the culture, people, like I said, your question had a lot of different questions, <laughs> but leaders really thinking through what they want their culture to be is real important. Yeah. Um, just this morning with clients, we were talking about what are their values? How do they use those values? Not just to put them on their website, but mm. in the interview process to make sure they're attracting not just great sales talent, right. but they're attracting people who will fit in and help the organization be better, Right. you know, because a bad employee causes people to leave, right? It causes disengagement is it's, you know, and right now there's such a talent war going on and people like, I just need to fill this position. You don't just need to fill the position. You need to fill the position well. And it's like, now it's changing. You can't just rely on the, the HR or talent acquisition or the hiring manager to find these people. Like everyone in your organization needs to be on the same team, believe in their leadership and actually be searching for people like them that can make the whole team better. So I know I answered that in a lot of different tangents, but your question, it's really good because it's changing. Yeah. And, 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 and some organizations, you talk about um, like, you know, experienced leaders, whether they be uh, Gen X, some Gen Xers don't really want to be on social media either, like LinkedIn or, and then the boomers, they didn't have to do that stuff when they were building organizations, but that's what the future of their organization is looking for. Like, right. So just like in sales, we don't sell the way we want to be sold. We sell the way the client wants to buy. It's the same thing when you're looking at people for your organization. So, but it comes down to, to leadership and just the importance of that, of that, the impact that they have. Right. Right. And, and I think that's like, I think one of the big keys that's missing is that sales leadership is no different than leadership period. Right. It's just that they happen to be a function of the sales team. And, but that role in terms of, you know, still being a leader, which kind of brings back to what you were talking about initially is that investment in the individual, I know that there are large multi, you know, huge billion dollar companies and they see and they have investment, you know, as part reinvestment in their employees in terms of training and development as part of their budget. It's just, it's a line item, it's there, but it's missing from a lot of the small to mid-sized companies. So why is it in your opinion that people aren't valuing this and they don't see where the ROI is? Because I think if they saw the ROI, they probably would be more willing to invest in that, in that mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you when I get on, uh, 
discovery calls and proposal calls with, with uh, prospective clients, we talk about the ROI and they see it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but if, but if you're not until that conversation, right, they're not yeah, seeing it. Yeah. They're not seeing it. Um, there is a, it's the status quo is really harmful yeah. um, to, to everybody. We just like in sales, we just assume, ah, someone will, they'll get it. They'll learn it eventually. Sales leadership, they'll learn it eventually but we don't really look at how much those mistakes cost people Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of money, right? Like it's, it's a lot of cash, um, which, which can be really critical. Well, and especially now you're talking on the fact that this is an industry that has a higher churn rate than some other, you know, places in terms of a, a sales VP is different than a, you know, CMO or COO. Those tenures are very different. And so I know part of what you do is help extend that tenure, right? So reducing that churn, what are some things um, outside of the leadership development that really help kind of help reduce that churn timeframe? Well, you need to hire the right people in the first place. So outside of leadership development, leadership needs to know how to train these new reps. So there has to be um, between recruiting and the onboarding process and training, like there has to be a system and, and it really depends on the organization. And I know the smaller ones maybe don't have the budget for, but, but there, it's not actually as expensive as people think. Mm. And what happens a lot of times in growing organizations, startups, but whatever they may be, the, the, um, owner, is usually the number one salesperson. And it is more difficult than people think to get the brilliance out of someone's head and duplicate it. And some people aren't duplicatable. There there are sales unicorns. There are leadership unicorns. Mm. People, I always love seeing quotes from like Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or like, and I'm just like, does this actually apply to many people? They think differently. But they're (laughs) They're also not, not, like they're, Steve Jobs was abusive to his people. I mean, like, let's just, um, you know, like, let's be real. He was a horrible, he was a fantastic visionary. He was a terrible leader. Mm -hmm. Like he, he had other people doing the leading for him and having to correct his mistakes in terms of how he showed up in the world. Yet some of these people who are, you know, by materialistic aspects considered successful, right. Are put on these pedestals. But when you look behind the curtain, it wasn't necessarily them doing the work. And part of this is, is the sales team does a lot of the heavy lifting for the business, but they also take it, you know, they, they're, they're put on the front lines and they take the beatings at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need visionaries, but then you also need integrators. Yeah. And there is, I I've been seeing a lot of this and it's kind of been a pet peeve of mine, but people um, are like, a, a leader is this and a manager is this. And I'm like, you can't, do you know the distinctions and then, oh, and then the difference between a coach. And it's like, why are we getting so caught up in this? Like you need to have the vision. You need to keep the vision front and center. You need to be inspiring. I love that. But then you also need to have the team buy in that it's, mm. that it's implementable. And that is through knowing the metrics, letting them know how many people do they have to talk to? In what way do they have to do this? Where are their prospects? Who do they need to talk? Right. It's like, what is the sales talk? All of that stuff needs to be there or it's just a bunch of empty words. And right. I, I, so I go back of like leadership's visionary and managers, a big thing that new leaders, sales leaders really run away from is they go, Rebecca, I don't want to be a micromanager. I do not want to be breathing down my sales team's neck. And I said, 
What I say is if you're not, you're not leading. Mm-hmm. Um, accountability was the numbers of the, of the struggles that I did my survey. Time management was one. Feedback was number two and accountability was number three. It's like, we're all afraid to become our parents, but there needs to be a parent in the room, right? Like, and, and, and accountability doesn't need to be gross. It doesn't need to be grimy. It doesn't need to be, you said you were going to do this. You can do that. You can do better. There's a great way to do that. And, um, and that has an impact directly on revenue. So Fox had um, come out with, it was the data from there, but 69% of employees said that they would do more at work if their boss recognized their effort. Mm. If bosses simply said, great job, held people accountable, they would do more. Right. Um, and with, with burnout, I'll just do this little tangent. I get mm-hmm. kind of like fired up about this stuff. But um, w- in regards to burnout, uh, when I wrote about my book, I devoted a whole chapter to energy management because mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of like doing our best work at our best time. And um, I don't think that it's the amount of work that people do. I think it's the amount of time people think about doing work that burns them out. It's the mental, it's not just physical work, it's mental work, it's emotional work, it's spiritual work. Um, and, and that's leadership needs to help manage that um, yeah. as well. Well, what's interesting, and and I, I talk about this sometimes as well too, is how if corporate people, right, people who are you know considered employees, took on the mindset and understanding of what it was to be an entrepreneur, they would actually be more successful in their career, right? That this is, you're taking the lead on your career, you're doing the things. And part of all this is, especially when sales and, and, you know, I'm sure it happens in other divisions, but I think it's really prominent in sales. There's a lot of emotional triggers that happen when you're expected to go and quote unquote, sell to someone. Right. And so maybe someone's doing it, they're having whatever, they don't want to be sleazy. They don't want to be salesy. They're they're You know, they've had 52 no's and they're just like, oh my God, I suck kind of situation. But isn't that where the leadership is supposed to come in and step in and try to course correct versus kind of letting them flail out there because the buck doesn't stop at expectations, right? It has to go further in terms of, again, like you were talking about providing that development, mm-hmm. like, yep. and, are you and seeing that, that change in terms of responsibility and ownership? Um, I, in my clients, that's something that, um, that is a common feedback I get in a common testimonial is the leadership team took more ownership um, of their business. And I didn't do that on purpose, but I'm not a corporate person. I've always been self-employed. And I was on the phone with someone last week. He's like, tell me how you're different and unique. So I told him, he goes, yeah, I don't think that's it. And then I finally said, I said, I'm not corporate. He goes, that's what it is. <laughs> you know, like that's the valuable of having like someone outside of the team yeah. come in with a different perspective, saying the same thing, mm-hmm. but helping people take ownership of it. And, and I know that some people sales is different because you get, you usually there's some sort of bonus commit. There is some sort of thing. Right. So you actually have a monetary incentive to get there, but just in general, like when, when you help, if you're helping a salesperson on the team or a sales leaders, helping someone on their team, that makes everybody better. Like helping yeah. each other get better helps everyone get better. And it's just, it's a more fun way to work. I do not, I hate the word grind. I just, I despise the word grind. I think hustle's great. I think, you know, persistence is wonderful. You need to have that in sales. But if you're doing dull, meaningless work and you hate every minute of it, you're not going to last very long. And that happens in sales. And 
I have been 52 zeros. Like I have had 62 presentations, 61 presentations in a row and then sold the 62nd. Like I have been that bad. <laughs> so I know how that feels. And you just have to believe in the system. You ha- they, that's what people keep people going is believing in the law of averages and believing in the system. If you don't have a system, they have nothing to believe in. That mission you just got a big thing about, no one believes it because the system doesn't back it up to get there. I love that because it's going beyond the numbers, right? So yes, you have KPIs. We understand so many calls. These are the expectations, but you can have people who are hitting the numbers in terms of, I did this many cold calls, or I did this many outreaches. I did this many campaigns. I did this many offers or whatever it is, but the close, right? Which is the ultimate RO, like the number that we're looking at on, honestly, And so people will look at it and be like, just do more, do more. But it's not necessarily always about doing more, but really looking at what does that person need? Because clearly they're doing the work, but they're not in the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Motion doesn't mean meaning. And and in sales, you have to work. I mean, if you look at the top salespeople or revenue, like they're getting the most done, they are being the most productive, but it's so counterintuitive. You have to slow down if you want to speed up. Yeah. You cannot out hustle yourself to get better after a certain point. I mean, there's, there's statistics on that and how stupid it is to work over X number hours a week, because it doesn't get you any more value. You do more harm than good. Harm than good. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you help your leadership teams see as the opportunities that they're clearly blind to, um, in terms of your support of their, of their, you know, in, in, in their work, because you don't know what you don't know. And a lot of these sales leaders have come through the ranks from a different environment than the one that the current, you know, new employee generation is kind of, you know, wanting. So there's this, like this, this reconciliation that isn't happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I, I love when I'm working with leadership teams is because everything that I talk about is not new to them. It's always like that. You could have had a V8 moment or whatever. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You could have had a V8. It's not necessarily the information. It's how the information's delivered. Right. And so, um, that we start with foundational concepts Mm. of what do you, what do you want your culture to be? What are your values? What do you need to that transition from sales to leadership? Like strengths become weaknesses in a new capacity, like your, um, motivation to do whatever it takes to get the deal, very commendable in sales that backfires in leadership. You can't do whatever Yes. in a different way. Right. I mean, like running around with your head cut off and sales, you look like you're committed running around with your head cut off and sales leadership looks like you should be committed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't get a hold on that. I don't mean that as like a anti-health, you know, um, no, but it's, it's, you're not effective and efficient. And so you're, and again, that's that you're hurt. You're doing more harm than good because you're not leaning into how to really show up as a leader. Cause there is mm-hmm. a different modality and that, that, that gap, right. Um, is the one that you help fill in terms of being able to understand how to do the transition more effectively so that it's not costing the company money. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's foundational concepts. There are, um, high performance concepts, Mm -hmm. and then there are sales leadership concepts and just the the importance behind it. And like, just giving tools, like even like, for example, this, this afternoon working with an uh, organization and it was like, how do I give this feedback to someone? And so actually going like here, here's actually how you can start out this conversation. 
And they're like, okay, I can do that. You know what I mean? Cause like, we never want to be the bearer of bad news. Um, but if the bad news or the bad feedback is actually seen as, no, this is actually for the, this is actually, it is good news. It's actually for the betterment of you, for the whole team. Like we have a culture where feedback mm-hmm. is expected and wanted because we all want to continue to get better. Um, but there are some lightning moments when people pause um, and think through the topics that we discuss. And then we talk about the implementation. Uh, one of the biggest things with leadership, right? Like, oh, I told the team that, but they don't do it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like there's a difference between knowing and doing. And um, that's why some people say, well, I, I know that, but I don't do it. Or I just thought that because I knew it, I had mastered that. And I actually am not mastering anything because I'm not doing that stuff. I, I'm doing things, but not what matters. And so I, I say this, um, it's like my mantra, but I'm like, do the things that matter for the reasons that matter with the people that matter in a way that matters. And if you just break that down, you can go, I'm more productive. I'm getting more done in less time. It's not like a magic wand, but we can think about that. So I've thought about that for my clients so that they don't have to devote all this time that they don't have to try to come up with this themselves. Well, and that's near impossible, right? Because you can't see the forest from the trees. And so it takes someone to say, Hey, this is right next to you, but you can see it because you were running around because things are going crazy. Um, where, where are you seeing, um, the best timing for someone like you to come into a business? Like what are the signs that leadership isn't doing what they need to be doing and that something's wrong. And now is the time to bring someone in because I'm sure, you know, we've all experienced coming in when things are really kind of almost too late, um, Mm -hmm. and having to kind of do more work to fix things versus someone who's thinking ahead and being like, okay, hold on, here are a couple of warning signs. Now's the time to bring in someone like Rebecca. You know, it's so interesting because my clients, the people that hire me, the CEOs are phenomenal leaders. Like they, they really are. It's, they haven't gotten, or they don't have time to get what's in their brain through to everybody. And you don't have, I think we feel like I'm going to learn through osmosis. Like I'm just going to stand next to this (laughs) wonderful leader and just magically everything they know is going to get in my head just because I'm in their presence. And that's not really how it works. But if you think about it, that's kind of the status quo. I mean, yeah, but there isn't anything there to like, like, that's kind of how it actually happens, but it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the stat on it, Harvard business review, um, the stat is the average age, someone gets their first leadership promotion is age 30. Their average age, they get their first leadership training is age 42. Like that's the stat. So back to your question for aspiring leaders, who want to get into leadership, it makes sense to get trained before you get there. Mm. So organizations reach out to me that maybe you had, like you were doing really well and you had an off year and things are stale and you go, nothing's going to change unless something changes. Mm. And you've got five to 10 sales leaders. That's where I come in and facilitate or organizations. You'll say, you know what? We've been growing at a really fast pace. We've got just a bunch of salespeople with sales leaders on the team, but they're leading in sales. They're going to be pegged to, and they're like leading by de facto, but mm. maybe they don't know how to lead, but people just take their advice because they're selling more. Um, and you need to put structures and systems into place. I developed that for sales teams. 
Um, but that's, that's where people will see, or your turnovers getting higher than it used to be. And I know everyone can say, Rebecca, everyone's turnovers higher than it used to be. But not um, always. I but mean, no, it's no, it's not. Yeah. So there's, so if your, if your average rep production's going down, that's a leadership, um, red flag, um, and leaders want to get better. So when organizations bring me in, their leadership actually goes, Oh, thank goodness. We don't know. They know they're, they're brilliant at certain things, but they don't know what they're messing up on Mm. and sales, the sales profession, it's full of high achievers that constantly want to get better. Um, and so they really do breathe a sigh of relief. Like we're so thankful we have this and we're able to take more ownership and, and we can track everything. Now we don't feel so overwhelmed. Right. Right. Well, yeah. And that's that like putting strategic effort into creating that ease of, all right, let's just, you know, it's kind of like clearing the refrigerator, right. In order to really get it clean, you got to pull everything out. But then when you put everything back in, not only is the fridge clean, it's not a great analogy, but not only is the fridge clean, but it's organized in a way that makes sense, right. Where you can get to things more efficiently. And then things that time that you put into it is saved, you know, tenfold down the line. Yeah. And you threw out the sour milk because the sour milk wasn't working. There's always something in the back that you didn't see. And you're just like, damn, (laughs) that that needed to go a while ago. Um, (laughs) So um, one of the last questions that I had was, you know, what are the signs? Because they're bringing in the VP of sales, reducing that churn is great, but the also there's opportunity in identifying the leadership with that is already within the business, right. In terms of nurturing that within the company, because there is that mid to get things to hire. What are the things that people should be looking for? And what are some good first steps in terms of bringing that capability out in people? I think a big thing, especially companies, companies like to promote from within, yeah. especially people who are great with the culture. They know the product or the service. It's really easy. But a lot of times um, organizations aren't doing the best job of letting people know that they are being pegged for leadership or the company is recognizing they have no clue. Um, and so I think acknowledging people on the team, not just the rock star salespeople, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're bad at leadership because they they're, they're good, but it's, it's, you need to look, there's specific qualities about great leaders and it's got nothing to do with their number one rank in, on the leaderboard, right? right. It is their specific things. So the people that you really see that will be a great leader is to talk to them and there's, there's the bigger companies all have these rising leaders programs, right? Like these emerging leaders programs. This is, this is like an emerging leaders program for sales leaders mm. so that people are, they're not learning on the job. Yeah. Once they get going, it, it costs like 200%. It costs two times a salesperson's salary to take them out of sales and move them into leadership because of the learning curve and the loss of revenue. Yeah. If you can ramp them up, it's just smarter financially. And then they feel more confident. They're building a team. They're taking more ownership. Um, Well, and it speaks to this current generation of, you know, emerging leaders in terms of their values of being recognized, being seen, being encouraged and not going to the de facto, let me just throw more money at the problem. Yeah, it's there's sales organizations for some reason will throw money at incentives that they'll throw money motivating, but they won't always spend money uh, developing. Yes. And I, uh, I was listening to an entree leadership podcast and I can't remember who the guest, Ken Coleman, he had said, 
we have like the housing crisis right now. It's a leadership crisis and it's because of 2008. So in 2008, they stopped building homes, right? They stopped making inventory because they had to cut budgets. Leadership programs got cut out at organizations in 2008. And, and it's been, and it's crazy, right? Like 20 years late, well, not 15 years later. Um, what that's even my, whatever. Years later, it's still <laughs> impl, impl, impacting um, organizations. And it's like, we can do without, we can do without, we can do without. And now, I mean, There's boomers are retiring. The people with the most experience, that that gap, there's a gap that needs to be filled. And it's not the new leader's fault. Right. It's not their fault. It's just, we've kind it's of- the old guard. It. It's just, the old guard and their old thinking. And that hasn't been, you know- um, refreshed essentially. And really, you know, I mean, one of the things that I love doing is keeping abreast of trends because the, the, you know, the true measure of success is mastery of time. And if you're wasting your time leveraging strategies that aren't effective, or in your case, not, you know, investing in your leadership, because that's the thing that actually is going to get you the biggest ROI, then you're wasting everybody's time and you're costing yourself so much more money than you need to. Mm -hmm. Rebecca, you've been amazing. I know that there's so much more that you touch on in terms of the things that you share with your content and the value that you bring to your clients. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about everything that you do? I am on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn all of the time. So you can connect with me there. Um, and my, the, it's linkedin.com slash IN slash rise up. And then if people want some of the, um, results from that survey that I did, I actually have a PDF. So you go, if you go to my website, risewithrebecca.com, um, something will pop up right away and you'll get all of those results with the top struggles. Um, what was their training like? Where do they spend their time? Like some of the glaring issues mm. around sales leadership so that they might be able to address them themselves. But if people want to get that PDF full of what we knew, what we learned, um, you can go to my website to find oh. that. Fantastic. Um, if you're listening to this, those links are definitely going to be in the show notes. So make sure you go and check those out. Rebecca, any parting words for our listeners? I just, uh, I think that being here is really valuable. So people who spend their time listening to this podcast and other podcasts to help them grow, um, you are, you are so far ahead of the competition. It's like doing the little things I think is really, is really smart. So, and I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much.